appreciate so very much, amen, the Gibbs family, all the way from Malawi, uh, Africa, amen. They are missionaries to the great nation of Malawi and the continent of Africa, and uh, they didn't come from there today. Uh, they came from Athens, not Greece, but Ohio, and, uh, but that's still quite a drive in the middle of the afternoon. They had a great service there this morning. But we love brother and sister Gibbs and JC and uh, Caleb, their son. Some of you have got to know him. He's been with us a couple of weekends here recently. And uh, just a wonderful young man attending Indiana Bible College. Uh, we love the Gibbs family. And they're going to come tonight and minister to us in the name of the Lord. We want to receive them with a great big tree of life welcome. Could you receive them in the name of the Lord? Brother Gibbs, God bless you. Praise the Lord. What a privilege to be in his house. Amen. You can be seated in the presence of the Lord. Give honor to Brother Urshan and to his wife and their wonderful family. As he has said, we have grown to become friends, and I look forward to that relationship deepening. It's wonderful when you can be around people of God. Amen. Give honor to Brother Enos tonight. So sorry to hear about his wife, but we are praying that God will continue to strengthen her. Brother Tyranny, God bless you. Brother Bowler and Sister Bowler, God bless you. Amen. Into this wonderful church. Amen. God is doing great things. What a privilege tonight to be with you. And I am so glad it wasn't a drive or flight from Malawi or from Athens, Greece. We've had many people say it's a long drive. And I said, well, <laughs> it's really not, but I'm not going to burst your bubble. Amen. But God has blessed us, and we are excited to be on deputation, and God is doing great things. Uh, we do have coffee in the foyer, not hot, but it is there. You can take it home and make it. Malawian coffee and tea, and that helps us as we travel, if you're interested in that. And as I said last time we were here, we are missionaries to the wonderful nation of Malawi. It is known as the warm heart of Africa because of the nature of the people. They're very kind, very considerate, very sweet. It is a nation of 20 million people, but God has given us tremendous, tremendous revival. Amen. I shared with you last time about how God has stepped into our funerals, and I received statistics this week from our home missions director as talking about what God has done in 16 and 17 of 18. We haven't received even the reports from 2019 because they're compiling them for the field report for headquarters. But in the last three years, not including 2019, God in the midst of our funeral services, we have seen 407 people baptized in the name of Jesus Christ. And I thank the Lord for him stepping in and doing a work in the midst of those things. Amen, God is doing great things. We have seen 6,767 people baptized in the matchless name of Jesus in 16, 17, and 18. God is bringing his church together. And over 13,039 people received the gift of the Holy Ghost in the nation of Malawi. God is raising up a church in the warm heart of Africa. God is moving in our universities. It's exciting how God has stepped in. We have seen the Lord do marvelous things. It's been incredible how Africa is open for campus ministry. In America, we know 85% of our instructors, they're probably atheist, agnostic, or they really don't want to share what they are. In Africa, it's the exact opposite. 85% are Christian. They are open to those things. And 
we had an open door this year. We actually did a, a four-day seminar training young people to go into our universities. They're former students themselves, and they wanted to give back, and they wanted to reach into the universities. So we had a four-day training seminar. On day five, it was put it in action. And we went into the university of one of them in Malawi, and we asked the head teacher, the uh, head of the school, is it all right if we would hold something? He said, absolutely, we'll give you a room. He said, I can't guarantee anyone will come, but the students are taking final exams, and if they want prayer, they may come. And if you've ever been a university student taking finals, you need prayer. <laughs> if you don't, you may be a little too confident. But you know what? 50 students gathered into that room and they begin to worship the Lord and sing a few songs. And before long, the spirit of the Lord began moving in the midst of those university students. And they said, we want prayer. And they began to lay hands on them. And out of 50, 20 of them received the gift of the Holy Ghost. Two of them were baptized, not in the church, but in the university in the city of Blantyre. God is reaching into all areas. If we will go, he will do the work. We've seen revival in our refugee camps. It's amazing in Malawi alone, we have 50,000 people from multiple countries, war torn countries that have come in and they are there and they have no hope. They, they're in a terrible living condition. They are receiving literally 25 pounds of flour a month. That's all they receive per person to survive on. And it's been amazing how God has opened the door for us into the refugee camp. And right now, as I am speaking to you, we are building a church just outside of the camp that will seat about 300 50 people. They already in two years have 250 people that have been brought into the church and they are preaching to them. And I'm believing one day they're going to go back to their home countries and they're going to see a revival there. But in the midst of all that despair and heartache, God is letting his spirit move. And I thank the Lord for him having that kind of mind and that kind of spirit to reach in. God is doing it and it's tremendous. Uh, we celebrated our 40th anniversary this year in 2019 of August. It was tremendous. Brother Bernard came, Pastor Keller from our home church. Many of the former missionaries were there, and the Lord just showed up and showed out. And I won't forget how thousands of people gathered at our Bible school, and we got permission from the city of Blantyre. The police came out, shut down all the streets, and thousands of people marched, holding up banners, worshiping down the city streets all the way to the convention center, and it was wonderful. I'm, Brother Bernard was in the bus smiling the whole time. We were out there dancing. Caleb was dancing. It was awesome to see what God has done, but I thank God it's not what he's done in the last 40 years, but what he's going to do in the future, because our God is ready to do exceedingly and abundantly above of all we can ask or think. God is doing it. We have had situations in 2019 that were not the best. We had a cyclone that came into the nation of Malawi. It actually hit Mozambique first. It was a massive hurricane. Over 1,300 people died in our two nations. And we lost 12 churches due to that, flattened them completely out. Many of these churches are, are homemade brick. They're not very stable buildings. They're not beautiful edifices like we're in tonight. And they lost those buildings. But God moved on the hearts of people in the U.S. And we can, I can testify tonight that all 12 of those churches are rebuilt now. And they are there worshiping this morning, lifting up the name of Jesus. One of the churches that my family, we visited, it was tragic. They were talking in the local village that maybe this was the, the hand of God that struck the church and God wasn't pleased with them and said that you'll never build that church back. It's impossible because of the finances. Two weeks later, that church was built and they were having services and many of those scoffers are now members of the church saying only God could have helped you build that church that fast. That's the kind of God we serve. 
And the Lord has helped us on top of those 12 churches. We have built 20 new churches in the last four months in the nation of Malawi. So 32 churches, 12 that were destroyed, 12 rebuilt, and 20 new churches have been added to give us a little over 700 churches in the nation of Malawi. And God is bringing tremendous revival in the warm heart of Africa. Revival is spreading. And you know what's encouraging is when I hear reports from churches like yours and I go into those small village churches where it's maybe just, just a portion of this side of the building and there'll be 100 people plus crammed in that small building and you can reach up and touch the rafters and by 11 o'clock the iron sheets are getting hot and you're praying that it, they had air conditioning but it doesn't exist. And, and you feel like the heat is on top of your head literally and when you raise your hands you feel the fire of God or the heat from the sun. <laughs> And, and I always laugh when I cross my legs, half a pound of dust falls out of my cuff and I don't have cuffs anymore, needless to say, but it's amazing to watch them and I encourage them and tell them there's a church in Cincinnati that is lifting up the name of Jesus and you're not alone. There's brothers and sisters around the world and I tell them you're a part of the largest oneness organization in the entire world. You're not alone. And it encourages them, just like I'm encouraging you tonight, that you can walk into a little dusty village, drive two hours off of a paved road, and walk into a little building that you probably wouldn't want to go in, but you'll hear people talking in tongues. You'll see the waters of baptism being troubled, and you'll know the kingdom of God is being fulfilled, that God is raising up a church out of every tongue, tribe, kindred, and nation. We are a part of the body of Christ, and in this hour, revival is on every side. It's amazing how God is stepping in and doing tremendous things. We are asking you to pray with us. Pray with us for our Bible schools. Pray for evangelism to continue moving in our nation and across Africa. We are a, an amazing harvest field. I believe Africa is the greatest harvest field in the world right now. God is doing tremendous things and we covet the prayers of this church, the support of this church. When God unites us together, anything is possible anything. Revival is in our midst. It's tremendous how God has stepped into our Sunday school program, how he stepped into our university program. I just love how God gets involved in everything. And the Lord is doing that. I, I am so happy my wife is with me tonight and we're kind of sandwiched in between two special dates. It's Valentine's, so I've got my wife on this side. Tomorrow is JC's 12th birthday, so I'm kind of right in the middle there between my two girls and that's a good place to be. But I want my wife come tonight and leave a word of testimony with you before we go into the word of the Lord. I am very blessed to have an incredible helpmate. I think I shared with you last time, we actually met in Enugu, Nigeria. We were both aimers. And I remember when she stepped off the plane, I said, God, you know what you're doing. And, and the rest is history. But I thank God that she had the same calling, the same burden, the same desire that God put in me at 19, he put in her, and God then put us together. And I thank God for the way she does a tremendous work in our nation. And I won't go into all that she does. As you men know, what our ladies do and our wives do is amazing. And if I took all night, we would never get to the preaching. We would never get anywhere. But I love my wife. I am so proud of the work that she does. And I am blessed with a tremendous helpmate. I do nothing to what he does. But God is so good. I'm so glad to be here tonight in Cincinnati, Ohio. And there's many times throughout this term I can honestly say, God, I'm really missing home right now. If you could just pick me up and place me anywhere on American soil, I'll be happy. <laughs> 
I didn't have to stay there very long. Just let me touch my home base for just a moment. But you know what? We have saw an incredible revival this term. It has been absolutely awesome. But this past year, as my uh, husband was saying about the uh, hurricanes, it hit Malawi really hard. And we watched our people struggle. We watched our people. He didn't tell you this part. Yes, we lost the churches, but we had people actually living in trees, trying to survive for two or three weeks, trying to live up there, waiting for people. And we would hear the helicopters coming over the campus, going down to the lower shear to get the rescue the people. But they could only do so many at once, so they was constantly taking their time, going down and rescuing thousands of people and bringing, up, bringing them up to higher ground. So as we were approaching our ladies' conference in June, I was thinking about this a while ago of, as he was speaking. I started praying because I'm thinking, oh, Lord, in our southern region, is anyone going to show up? You know, we're struggling, Lord. They came and hardly survived. We're taking them food. We're, we're providing uh, camp, um, compassion services. We're sending us funds over. And we're buying maize and taking down to the lower shear, giving out to our church members. And I'm thinking, if they can't even afford their food, how are they going to come to the ladies' conference? And I started praying. And I'll never forget, it was in the middle of the day. I was in my living room. And he had went to pick Caleb up from school, and I has received a text message from one of my friends from America, and she gave me a word for the Lord. And I, it hit me so hard that I literally started speaking in tongues, and I went into the living room, and I was worshiping, and I was praising God and said, God, thank you for that word. And as I was praying, God showed me all the Malawian ladies with red flags in their hands, waving them high. And I thought, oh, what does that mean? And then he started giving me a message for the opening night of ladies' conference. And when I started studying out the red flag, it was a flag, I will not be defeated. I will press forward. I will stand up. There will be a fight rise up in me. And I know my God is able. And it said the pirates would raise that flag when they were coming to conquer and they were coming to win. And that flag was a signal saying, no one will survive. We will conquer all and we will Triumph in Jesus' name is what I took it as. We will be all that he wants us to be. And I went to the conference and I told the ladies that. I said, I want everyone to stand up and I want you to get a red piece of cloth. And I don't want you to raise your banner high. Yes, we've lost houses this year. Yes, we lost all our possessions this year. Well, we will raise our flags high and we will say, I will triumph. I will go forth. Tonight, I felt that for someone in here. There's times you're talking about healings. You're talking about someone needing a miracle. But you know what? Sometimes there has to be something to rise up within us and say, you know what? I will push forward. I will go forward. I will raise my banner high. And sometimes we just have to find a little piece of handkerchief. And as a signal to the enemy, I will conquer all. I will move forward in Jesus' name. God bless you tonight. Amen. Praise the Lord. Sometimes you just got to fight. Amen. Let's go into the word of the Lord tonight. Again, it's a great privilege and honor to be with you. 2 Timothy chapter 1 and verse 6. 
The words of Paul speaking to his protege, Timothy, familiar passage of scripture. Thank you for standing for the reading of the word of the Lord. Wherefore, I put thee in remembrance that thou stir up the gift of God, which is in thee by the putting on of my hands. And if you would turn with me to 2 Peter chapter 3 and verse 1. This second epistle, beloved, I now write unto you in both which I stir up your pure minds by way of remembrance. When Paul was telling Timothy to stir up himself by way of remembrance, the word he used for to stir up, it meant to kindle, to inflame one's mind. In other words, it was to have a veracity and a tenacity. When Peter said stir up, he used another Greek word which meant to wake up and to awaken from sleep. But both of them were letting us know we've got to sometimes raise the red flag. We've got to stir ourselves and say, God, you're going to do something. And in both of these scriptures, they alluded to the secret to that. It wasn't just stirring up the gift of God, but the way you did that was by remembrance. And I want to preach tonight for a little while from this subject, the power of remembrance. And let's lift our hands and go before the Lord one more time. Lord, I thank you for your presence. Thank you for every man, woman, boy, and girl that is in this house, Lord. Under the sound of my voice, I thank you for drawing us here for such a time as this, Lord. I pray tonight, Lord, that before we leave this house, Lord, there will be an awakening, Lord, and a stirring, Lord, and a kindling in our minds of our remembering of what God you have done. And when I remember what you have done, it makes it easy to believe what you shall do and what you will do in our lives. Lord, I pray tonight, Lord, stir us, God, and spring up that gift inside of us, God, to remember, Lord, that our God is great and greatly to be praised. And you can be seated in the presence of the Lord. There's power in remembering. Our Bible from cover to cover, it is a book of remembrance. We are reminded constantly of how God has done great things. When we read in our book of Genesis, we find the beginning was our God. And we are reminded that our God, your God and my God alone created the heavens and the earth. We are reminded that our God made us from the dust of the earth and he breathed into us the breath of life. We are trained and we rehearse over and over again in our apostolic Christian lives. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is one. We all can quote it. We all understand it. It is a mantra and a repetition in us. But what are we doing? We are remembering so we can stand firm and we can move forward. It's a mantra in the church the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. We are remembering, we understand as Christians that Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. There is a power in remembering, amen. Look at someone beside you and tell them there is power in remembrance. Please understand tonight that I am not talking about living in the past. I'm not talking about having regret or remorse. I am not talking about your past being held over you. I'm not talking about that we are desiring yesterday more than we are today. And there are people that do that. You'll hear them talk about yesterday and it's with a fondness that lets you know that they wish they were there more than they are now. But the danger in doing that is saying, God, you can only do it then. You can't do it now, but we are serving a God that is ready to do it now. But I am talking about a God that says, remember what I've done. 
remembering where I was. And when I begin to remember in my own mind and I begin to think back to where I could have been and what I could be now, there's something that rises within me that has to give him praise and glory. Some of us, he rescued out of the miry clay and out of a deep pit. Others, the Lord kept us from ever getting into the pit. Either way, I have to go back and I've got to remember it was the Lord that brought me out or it was the Lord that kept me from going in. But no matter what, I've got to praise him and I've got to stir up myself and inflame something in me that says, God, I will never forget where you have brought me to. There's power in our remembrance tonight. I don't know what circumstances are in your life. I don't know what uh, precarious situations you may be facing today or thinking about for tomorrow, but there is power in the kingdom of God when we begin to look back and think all that God has done for us. There's power in it. I remember when I was unlovable. I remember when he made a way for me when there was no way. The Lord has been my very present help in time of trouble. He has been my buckler and my shield. And when you study that out, the shield is a large, massive object, but the buckler was small. It was able to deflect small things. God covers it all in our lives. He is our protection. I will remember all that God has done for me. Paul told us in 1 Corinthians chapter 6 and verse 9. I want to read this scripture. It's very powerful. 1 Corinthians chapter 6 verse 9 through 11. Paul says this, Know ye not that the unrighteous shall not inherit the kingdom of God. Be not deceived, neither fornicators, nor idolaters, nor adulterers, nor the effeminate, nor abusers of themselves with mankind, nor thieves, nor covetous, nor drunkards, nor revilers, nor extortioners shall inherit the kingdom of God. And such were some of you, but ye are washed, ye are sanctified, you are justified in the name of the Lord and by the spirit of our God. There is something powerful about where we remember. We are not uh, aggrandizing our past, but we are saying, God, I recognize what I was, and I'm not looking back at that with fondness, but I am not also playing ignorant or pleading the fifth and saying, no, no, I never was there. There's something powerful when we look in the mirror and say, I remember what I was. I remember the thoughts that used to captivate my mind. No one's hearing me tonight. Listen, God wants to stir something in us that says, Lord, I remember where you brought me from and I remember what you kept me from. And if you can do that, you can take care of today and you've got my tomorrow. There is power in our remembrance. Every time I look in the sky and see a rainbow, I don't think of the gay pride. I think of the Lord said it will never happen again. I remember what my God did then. I wasn't there. You weren't there, but it stirs my soul. Jesus said regarding the communion, when you take the bread and you take the fruit of the vine, this do in remembrance of me. You're remembering what I've done for you, and this will show my death until it comes. There is power in that. When we look in Deuteronomy chapter 8 and verse 11, we find the words of Moses that are powerful, and they strengthen us, and they also heed a warning to us. We've got to understand the power of remembrance tonight. 
Deuteronomy chapter 8, verses 11 through 19. Please indulge me to read these scriptures. Beware. Remember now, Israel has come through. They're preparing to go into their promised land. It's been 40 years. It's been a battle. It's been a lot of ups and downs. It's been very difficult. But the Lord wants to remind them, beware that thou forget not the Lord thy God in keeping his commandments and his judgments and his statutes, which I commanded thee this day. Lest when thou hast eaten and art full and hast built goodly houses and dwelt therein, and when thy herds and thy flocks multiply and the silver and thy gold is multiplied and all thou hast is multiplied, then thy heart would be lifted up and thou forget the Lord thy God, which brought thee forth out of the land of Egypt from the house of bondage who led thee through the great and terrible wilderness, wherein were fiery serpents and scorpions and drought, where there was no water, who brought thee forth out of the rock of the flint, who fled thee, who fed thee in the wilderness with manna, which thy fathers knew not, that he might humble thee, that he might prove thee to do thee good at thy latter end. And thou say in thy heart, my power and my might and of mine hath gotten me this well. But thou shall remember the Lord thy God for it is he that giveth thee power to get the wealth that he may establish his covenant which he swear unto thy fathers as it is this day and it shall be if thou do all forget the Lord thy God and walk after other gods and serve them and worship them I testify you this day that you shall surely perish there's no mincing of the words there and I don't believe tonight I'm preaching to anyone that's forgot. But I just want to come into this house tonight and encourage somebody. If you're facing a circumstance, you're facing a situation, sometimes the danger is that we look where we are and we begin to imagine where we're going and all we see is confusion sometimes. And if we will just stop and pause and take a look back where God what did a work in our life in the past, it will encourage us, it will stir us, it will strengthen us. And because we have a testimony that says if he did it then, he can do it now. There's power in remembrance. There's power in remembering what God has done. And it begins to stir us. When I think in the scriptures, I, I, David is the one that comes to me more than any other as a man that began to think about the past and begin to let that strengthen him for the future. When you begin to study the life of David and we begin to understand the power of remembrance, when I think of David, it's easy for us, I think, to highlight his life. And we simply look at David as the one that was anointed to be king. He kills Goliath, he gets the girl, and he becomes the king. What a life. And we all say, man, David had it made. Anointed king, kills Goliath, gets the girl, and becomes king. But with a little more study, we will find between David's anointing and sitting on the throne, there were 15 hard, hard, hard years of trials and tribulation, wretched and pitiful years that this man of God had to deal with. Think with me tonight. At David's even beginning, the prophet comes and says, one of your sons is going to be the king of Israel. I've come to anoint him. And the father, Jesse, looks around at his boys and he brings all of them in and stands them before the prophet. But he didn't have enough uh, thinking within him. He did not have enough understanding. He did not look at David as significant. He said, David is so insignificant, I won't even invite him to the meeting. 
Imagine being in your own home and there's an opportunity to go from the pit to the palace. There's an opportunity to have the hand of God rest upon you. There's an opportunity to become the king of Israel and your own father won't even invite you to the meeting. David understood rejection, not as an old man, as a young man. He understood what it was to face all of these things. Once David was anointed though, and, and peace and happiness are only briefly there in his life. After that great day of victory of defeating Goliath and hearing the cries that David has killed his 10,000s and Saul only his thousands, it's, it, it's not much longer and you see David's life going into a dark, dark season where he is chased like a dog from village to village and from cave to cave. Every day of his life, he's looking over his shoulder at his father-in-law that has thrown a javelin at him twice and has made the edict, this man that was anointed to be king won't even live in this country. Him and his band traveled around, surviving at best. And David lived a very strong and difficult life, like a vigilante, if you will. There was no rest for him. David was being pushed lower and lower by the circumstances of his life. He was weary. He was exhausted. He didn't understand everything that was going on, but he was reminding himself, I've been anointed for this hour. I was anointed by the hand of God. I may not be in the palace, and I may not be in a good place, but no matter where I am, I was still anointed for this season, and I will keep moving forward we find in first Samuel David is out of gas he's beyond exhausted beyond weary he looks like a bag of bones when he shows up and he's thinking it might be the end of my life I don't know how this is going to finish but I want to see the one man the one person that I love and that's Jonathan my friend and he goes and they have a, a meeting and they hug each other and embrace him. And, and it's kind of David's goodbye tour, if you will. He's, he's trying to say goodbye to the people that mean something to him. And Jonathan was on that list. And, and he says goodbye to Jonathan. And, and the next thing we find, David is heading over to the tabernacle, another place that he loved and adored. He wanted to make sure that I go by all the places that mean something to me. And as David stepped over to that tabernacle, we find him and the priest is looking looking at him and he says, I don't have anything to eat. I have no weapons. I've been on the run. I've been pushed out by the king. I'm on haste. And he says, I have nothing to eat. And the, and the, high, and the priest says, I've got some bread here, but it's the bread of the temple. And he said, but you know what? I'll give it to you and your band of brothers that are there because I feel sorry for you. And, and obviously things aren't going well, David. And David takes that and he knows this may be the end of it all, but I want to be in the house of the Lord when it finishes. I know where to go when things get tight. I know where things, I know where to go when the life circumstances begin to crowd me in. And David shows up tattered and David shows up in this poor condition, but he finds a little bit of sustenance and a little bit of strength there. And David knew he was in the right place and he knew he was in the tabernacle, the house of God. And he knew that was the place to cry out to God and to find the provision he would need for his life. But then David does something strange. David asks Ahimelech, the priest, he said, do you have any weapons here? And I know in our modern society, there's people in packing all the time. It's probably someone in here right now. Don't want to know who you are. It's all good. <laughs> but in that day, he didn't go into the house of God and say, do you have any weapons? But David, he just understood everything I need always 
in the house of God. And no matter how low I go and no matter how difficult it is, I always remembered there's something that I can find in the house of God. And David goes into the house of God and he goes into that environment and he says, I need a weapon. And what astounds me is when we begin to read this story in 1 Samuel chapter 21, you can look at it later tonight or tomorrow, but it's interesting. David says, I need a weapon. And in verse eight, Ahimelech says to David, he said is, he says, I don't have a spear. I have neither brought a sword with me or my weapons, David is saying, because of the king's business. And in verse 9, the priest said, but I do have something in the house of God. I've got standing behind the ephod. I've got something hidden back there. You probably forgot about this, David. You don't know where it's been all these years. But behind the ephod, I've got the sword of Goliath that you used to cut off the head of your enemy. And David, in his despair and in his heartache, he remembered when he grabbed hold of the hilt of that sword. All of a sudden, all the memories of the battle that day came over him. And he remembered, I was an obscure boy that watched the sheep but the spirit of the Lord came upon me and I killed a giant and forever changed my destiny I may be low right now but when he grabbed hold of a memory he said what God did then he will do now and he had hold of that sword and David said he said if you've got that sword there is none like it give it to me I am telling somebody tonight in Cincinnati, Ohio, you've got some victories in the past. And maybe, you know, it's, it's amazing to me, David didn't know where the sword was. He was caught up in the euphoria and caught up in life. He killed the giant. He justered off on the shoulders of thousands and then it's all turmoil from there. But the high priest, the man of God knew the value of a memory and he knew the value of a victory. All of your trophies, you will find them in this house. If it's a trophy out there, it will perish. But the men of God, your pastor knows your victories. And we know them through the power of God. There is power in remembering what God has done in the past. It will equip you today. God loves to give us old weapons for new victories. Let's stand tonight. You know what you have need of. God knows what you have need of. Maybe you're looking ahead for the answer. Maybe you're looking within for the answer. But just tonight for a few moments, I would encourage you, look back for a moment and begin to think of another time when the Lord stepped into your impossible circumstance, when God stepped into an ailment or sickness or infirmity where there was no answer. Step back and think how God put together a relationship that seemed impossible. And as you begin to think about the goodness of God and you begin to think about the power of God and you begin to encourage yourself that my God is the same yesterday, today, and forever. And what he did then, he will do now and he will do it again, it begins to embolden you and strengthen you. And I want to encourage somebody tonight, reach back into the past and grab hold of that sword and say, Lord, you are going to bring great victory in my life again. If you need a touch from the Lord, I know these altars are open and the Lord is wanting to strengthen someone. The Lord's wanting to remind someone.
I don't know who I'm talking to. You keep looking ahead for the answer. It's not there. It's behind you. Begin to think back. Say, Lord, bring it to my memory. Remind me what you want me to see, Lord. What you want me to experience, God. Because when you get hold of that, it's tangible. I can't imagine, Brother Urshan. Can't imagine what flowed through David. And all that despair. And all that heartache. When he seen that sword come out from behind that. He may have not even recognized it in the shadows of the temple. But when the priest of God said, this is the prophet of Goliath, this is the same sword, something in him had to leap. Something in him began to shift gears. And all of a sudden, he began to not look at his circumstance. He didn't think about the future anymore. But now he was pulled in a vacuum to the past. And all of a sudden, he began to remember the victory that God gave him and how sweet the victory was and how powerful the victory was. And tonight, God wants to remind someone through the power of remembrance that he knows where you are. He knows where you are going. But you sometimes got to take one step back before you you can take your two steps forward. God works in his own way, but something happens when we begin to understand how powerful our God is. Hey man, if you need that tonight, let's lift our hands where we are and let's begin to cry out to the Lord and let God begin to bring to your memory a victory in your past that can strengthen you for your today and that can prepare you for your tomorrow. I don't know if David ever killed another man or had another victory with that sword, but it came into his life at a perfect season to remind him and to equip him and to encourage him. God wants to encourage someone tonight that you grab hold of it and know you will stand where you are and you will go forward in the power of God. David didn't defeat that giant by his skill or his his cunning or his ability and David understood in that day I won't go forward in my own skill my own ability or my own cunning but I need the hand of God to supercharge a stone through the air I didn't go into the battle with a sword David remembered but the enemy brought one and I used the enemy what the enemy meant for bad God turned it to something good and David cut off the head of that giant and forever transformed history, forever transformed his life. And he didn't know that day on the battlefield he was preparing himself, laying up a treasure and laying up a trophy that would come back to him one day and strengthen him and encourage him. I feel so strong in the Holy Ghost tonight for someone grab hold of what your memory is of God. Remember what he did for you. Don't think about the hurts. Don't think about the trials. Don't think about the valleys. Don't think about the caves and the abandonment and rejection. Remember you were anointed. And remember what God gave you the victory then. He's just waiting for you to cry out one more time and say, God, you did it then. You can do it now. There's something powerful about that. Let's begin to lift our voices tonight. Let's begin to cry out to God tonight. And God will bring to your memory a victory he gave you. And it will encourage you tonight for your today and for your tomorrow. Let's lift our voices and let's worship the Lord in this house.
Hallelujah, Lord. Hallelujah, Lord. Hallelujah, Lord. 